That incident involved um, a father and son working together. It was a site that had had a great safety performance, a great culture, great safety culture on the site. And the individual, as I say, was working with his father and his father was installing ground support. And the individual went out to pick up a piece of mesh and in the second that he went out to pick up the piece of mesh which was in front of the continuous miner, he went un under unsupported ground and that ground fell on him and killed him instantly. Sitting in Brisbane as I was at the time when I took the call, the question that I had for myself was organisationally, what was our responsibility in allowing that to happen? And we were found to, we were found not guilty in terms of the, um, the event. It had no solace in terms of the fact that a father had lost his son. That was Peter Newman, Chief Inspector of Coal Mines for Resources Safety and Health, Queensland, telling a story from when he worked in operations in a mine before he joined the regulator. That type of story is not unusual. Lots of people who've worked in the mining industry have similar stories. They've either been close to or affected by a fatality. Why is this? Why? Despite all the advances in safety, all the thinking and talking about safety, all the focus on safety, do these incidents still happen? A man has died after an industrial accident at a coal mine in the state's far north. Now we want to go to that incident in Queensland. The 44-year-old was working 700 metres underground when there was a collapse. This is Rethinking Safety a show where the Queensland mining industry charts out the journey to a safer future. My name is Sean Brady, and I wrote the Brady Review into fatal accidents in the Queensland mining industry. The review examined all fatal accidents from 2000 to 2019, and its findings were tabled in the Queensland Parliament in February 2020. Over the last six months since the publication of the review, I've spent my time speaking to people from the mining and quarrying industries, people working underground at the coal face, on quarry sites, the mine managers, site senior executives and operational leaders. In this six episode series, I'll bring you into these discussions and unpack the findings of the review with the goal to help the Queensland mining industry rethink its approach to safety. We'll be asking, why is now the time for change? How much does human error have a part to play in mining incidents? Why do incidents continue to happen? Is everything you know about reporting wrong? And what is the way forward? This is episode one. Why now is the time for change? So let's set the scene first. In the 2018-19 financial year, the mining industry recorded six fatalities in a 13-month period. And there was a big response to this. People referred to the industry as an industry in crisis. 
But prior to this, I was working on an investigation into mining fatalities, and this was expanded in July 2019 into what became known as the Brady Review. We worked on this review over a six-month period, analysing incident data, examining fatality reports, visiting mines, speaking to people in the industry, and we produced the report which was tabled in Parliament in February 2020. There was some confronting information in the review, but by and large we found that the industry wants change. But still, why is now the time that we change all of this? Mining's been around for a long time. Why change now? On today's episode, you'll hear why I think it is the time to change. But you'll hear about that later, because today's episode is really in two parts. And to start things off, I'd like to bring you on a whirlwind tour of where this six-part podcast series is going to take you. I want to introduce you to some of the topics we'll be covering. I want to introduce you to many of the people you'll hear from. Because the reality is this series covers much more ground than looking at the specific causes of fatalities. It examines these fatalities within the wider context of how the industry approaches safety. And it looks at what needs to be done to make things better. In this episode, we're going to discuss some strange and what may seem like unrelated topics. You'll hear about how the mining industry can learn from wedding vows. How industries like the airline industry provide a blueprint for success and safety and how reports of more bad things happening can be good. So strap yourself in, because it'll all make sense in the end. So one topic we'll spend quite a bit of time on is human error. Because one of the common views in the industry, as well as in many industries, is that human error is one of the main causes of incidents. Mining operations put very detailed processes and procedures in place to prevent accidents from occurring. It's only natural to think that if something goes wrong, it's because someone accidentally or deliberately messed up. But is this really the case? I think the way the industry handles investigations is quite important. There's obviously you know, a level of bias that kicks in, and, and I think that pushes us towards you know, some of the, the individual explanations. For example, someone did something wrong or they didn't know how to do the job properly, when I think it's important we actually step back and, and obviously deal with the immediate failure up front, but then look more systematically. That's the voice of Rob Jackson. He's the Vice President of Supply for South 32. Now, Rob is seen as one of the most forward-thinking people in the industry. Before his current role, he was the Vice President of Operations at Cannington Mine, and he pioneered a lot of really unique ideas that I'll tell you about in later episodes. Let's hear more from Rob on the concept of human error. So I think uh, one of the pitfalls, if you like, of investigating hazards and incidents on, on mine sites is you can jump straight to oh, such and such as fault. They did this wrong, they didn't do it right, they weren't, they weren't in the right frame of mind. In some instances, there will be a factor that might be a part to play, but generally speaking, in my experience, there's a systematic failure that sits in the background. So one of the things we try to do is, I guess, have a level of, of independence to the situation. And, and look at it through the eyes of what's gone wrong here from a systems perspective. So what Rob's saying here is that we can't blame these accidents on human error. We need to talk about the systems which are put in place to prevent them. In this podcast series, we wanted to hear from leaders in the industry and the regulator. We also wanted to hear from a union, so we spent some time with Stephen Smythe. Stephen is the president of the CFMEU Mining Division in Queensland. CFMEU stands for Construction, Forestry, Maritime, Mining and Energy Union, and they're one of the unions that represent workers in the mining industry. 
Steve and his voice will come back several times in the show. Let's hear from him now on the concept of blame and human error. And I think that's a really good part of the report, how does blame work, because I think you've identified through that, particularly around the human error, people just go towards, um, and I've seen it um, in investigation reports where they say, oh, it's the operator's fault. Yeah, it's an easy one to pick. So that's just blame the operator. Oh, that was human error. When you take your time to look through them, you can see where things have eventually lined up, but it's not just one particular failure. That's why you just can't fall back to the old, oh, it's human error. It's about a number of factors and what role they played within, um, unfortunately, a fatality. We're going to spend a lot more time on this in episode two, because in episode two, we'll talk in detail about the causes of fatalities. And by the end of that episode, you'll be able to ask yourself, is human error really the problem? Now, I want you to meet another one of our guests, Sidney Decker. More than 20 years ago, I wrote in one of my books that you can either blame or learn. And firing someone fixes nothing. Sydney is one of the safety experts you'll hear from in the show. Sydney runs the Safety Science Innovation Lab at Griffith University in Brisbane, and he's also a professor at Delft University in the Netherlands. I refer to Sydney's work several times in the report, and he'll be a big presence in the podcast. But just to warn you, Sydney is a little entertaining. For example, he pioneered a concept called Drift into Failure. And I asked him to give me a quick summary of it. I write a book a year. How can I? Anyway, there you go. Yeah, sure. Let's do broad strokes. (laughs) Now, drift into failure is a really important concept. And it explains why systems and industries drift towards accepting higher levels of risk over time. In other words, systems drift towards being less safe, generally in small steps, without anyone really knowing it's happening. We're going to talk about this more on episode four. But for now... Let's press pause on Drift into Fair and come back to that later. One of the confronting things I noticed during the review was that a very common view in the mining industry was the belief, almost at all levels, that mining was dangerous and nothing could be done about it. We characterise this view as fatalism, meaning people think that accidents in the mining industry are inevitable. I've heard it said that we can be a bit fatalistic in our approach. That could be true. But I also hear a lot of optimism. That's the voice of Peter Wilkinson, and he's another expert in safety. He's had a long career in safety. He's worked for the regulator as well as in senior leadership roles in the oil industry. He has lots of experience dealing with operational and process safety risk for low probability but high consequence risk. I met Peter after the release of the review, and since then I've spent many hours on the phone with him talking about all things safety. I see people working together. There's plainly a desire to do better. And um, my glass is half full here. We're not there, but we can do this. Fatalism is a really important issue that needs to be confronted and overcome. Because if the industry doesn't, then this will be a big hurdle to improvement. If you simply believe mining is dangerous and people will get hurt, then this can become a barrier to change. Let's go back to Sydney Decker again. Let me give an example of of a, of, a, of a comparison, right? So I've married my childhood sweetheart. So I went to the same school and you know, at some point, you know, we got married and that day we make the vow. You make that vow, uh, that commitment to have zero divorce, right? We will have zero divorce in our marriage, right? which is a nice commitment to make. What's the statistical probability of that though? 
the probability that I will not make it to the, you know, to the end of my life being married to my childhood sweetheart is like 50-50, right? And so, but that doesn't mean that my commitment is false or wrong or misguided, right? The commitment to stay married means that I'm doing things and not doing things every day to increase the probability of it being so. And that's what we can do in any complex system, right? Make a commitment and do things every day and not do things every day to increase the probability of that outcome. But there is no guarantee of it. And as bizarre as it seems to talk about wedding vows in a show about mining, this is actually a key point. And by the end of episode three, you'll know what causes accidents and why viewing your relationship with safety like a marriage can change the way you do things. But hold that thought for now. We'll come back to that in episode three. Another question we'll ask in the series is, is everything you know about reporting wrong? Now, I know this sounds a little controversial, but it actually turns out to be a controversial topic. A common view to have, and one that makes sense on paper, is that if more hazards, accidents and near misses are being reported, it means the industry is more dangerous. But is that really the case? In episode four, we'll explore the counterintuitive world of hazard and incident reporting. We'll talk about the importance of reporting and reporting cultures. So let's go to our other safety expert, Peter Wilkinson, to talk about a concept called weak signals and how they relate to reporting culture. A weak signal could be if you're a senior manager or leader, you're not getting any reports of bad things happening or of failures of systems or of problems. And that in itself is a serious problem. So more bad things, paradoxically, is good. How could more bad things happening be good? In episode four, we'll confront this paradox head on. And by the end of the episode, you'll know why one of the most beneficial things you can have is in your miss. Now, the way forward. What is the way forward for the Queensland mining industry? Well, it's a big challenge. But there are many other industries that have faced similar challenges. Industries the mining industry can learn from. How would I describe a high reliability organisation? Well, I would say they are organisations which consistently avoid serious incidents despite operating in environments that are characterised by high levels of inherent risk and operational complexity. That's Peter Wilkinson again. He's talking about an area he specialises in, high reliability organisations or HROs. Let me give you some examples of HROs. An oft quoted one is air traffic control. The Federal Aviation Authority in the US handles an enormous number of flights every day without conflict, without mid-air crashes and they are cited as being very flexible organisations that enable this really dynamic environment to succeed. So the airline industry, just like mining, is filled with hazards. But despite these hazards, you very rarely hear about major incidents in air travel. And because of this, the airline industry is often the first example mentioned when people bring up high reliability organisations or HROs. Now, I believe transitioning to using HRO theory is critical when it comes to improving safety in mining. And in episodes five and six, you'll get an understanding of what mining can learn from industries like air travel. But it won't be all smooth sailing. 
Let's go to another one of the people from the mining industry who spoke to us in the making of the podcast. Matt O'Neill is the Chief Operating Officer of Glencore's Base Metals business in Queensland. Matt is passionate and practical about safety excellence, and he's doing some really innovative and interesting things over at Glencore that we'll talk about later in the podcast. Here he is talking about some of the challenges when it comes to implementing HRO theory. I think the higher reliability organisation theory is actually something that would really assist us in improving the safety performance. It's a really hard thing to do, though. The conversations around, you know, constant state of unease and, and focusing in on our failures and, and what we could do differently isn't the culture that a lot of people are trying to drive within organisations today. We're, we're always sort of talking about a positive culture, wanting people to be happy and enjoying themselves and, and feel good about what they're doing. So for me, they're almost, you know, competing with, with the way in which we run our organisations. But I do think the flip side of the high reliability organisation is also celebrating what you do well. You can balance that. So it won't be easy, but things need to change, which brings us to why we need to change now. So we're going to come back to these people and these stories, but that's just the beginning. You'll hear about high potential incidents, the serious accident rate, hard and soft controls, deference to expertise, and something that I call the paperwork problem. But these are all stories for later episodes. But for today, why is now the time for change? And for the remainder of this episode, that's what we're going to talk about. But before we do, you'll need some background. And a key piece of background is that there was a significant change in the Queensland mining industry around the year 2000, which was the starting point for this review. Now, what was this change? Well, this change was the introduction of new legislation. Now, let's spend a little bit of time talking about this legislation's impact on safety in the industry. The legislation was the Coal Mining Safety and Health Act of 1999 and the Mining and Quarrying Safety and Health Act of the same year. Mara No. 2 was a coal mining disaster in central Queensland in 1994 that killed 11 people. After this disaster, there was a tripartite process between the regulator, the unions and industry to produce these acts. You'll hear about the impact of the legislation in a little bit, but before we do, I want to introduce the regulator. Now, in Queensland, the regulator is Resources, Safety and Health Queensland. Herman Fashing is the Chief Inspector for Mineral Mines and Quarries at the regulator. He's been in the industry for over 40 years and he has seen a lot. So Herman is the perfect person to speak to about the legislation. The legislation that was introduced in 2000 really is what's referred to as risk-based legislation. So the old legislation was quite chapter and verse. You must have this, you must have that. If you've got one of these, then you've got to have four of those. It was quite prescriptive and people knew in a prescriptive sense what I had to do to manage the risk or, or to, to manage that hazard as far as the legislation was concerned. What Herman is saying here is prior to 1999, the legislation had specific rules that had to be followed. But after 1999, the legislation changed to become risk-based. Here's Herman again. The risk-based legislation is, is outcomes-focused. So it's about identifying the hazards and managing the risk. You can't have a rule for every single circumstance or situation. In the risk-based approach, what it allows a site to do, a supervisor, a manager, is to look at the hazard and risk and look at the control options that are best placed for that location at that time in that situation. So that's a far better outcome. 
But when I spoke to people in the industry and the regulator, there are some aspects of this that need improvement. For example, I want to go back to Peter Newman here. You'll remember that Peter told a story about the father and son from the very start of the episode. And he's the chief inspector for coal mines at Resources Safety and Health Queensland. His role runs parallel to Herman's role. Herman focuses on mineral mines and quarries. Peter focuses on coal mines. And similar to Herman, Peter has also been around for a long time, going back to working in gold mines in South Africa in the 70s. So Peter had some strong words about the legislation that I want to share with you. I think in terms of the new legislation, that's got to be kept in the industry. But it needs a kick in the ass in terms of the companies and employees starting to be serious about it again. So Peter feels the industry needs to get serious about the legislation again. But let's look at what impact the legislation has had on safety. Well, to understand that, we need to look at the fatality numbers. Now, in the next episode, we'll examine the fatalities in detail. But for now, I want to stay with the numbers. The problem with this discussion is that it'll appear cold and clinical. We all know these are real people. They're not just numbers. But for the purposes of understanding how the industry is performing, let's examine these numbers. So in the review, we examined a total of 47 fatalities covering the period from January 2000 to the end of July 2019. To check the impact of the legislation, we compared the last 20 years with previous time periods. We went all the way back to 1900, so we looked at the past 120 years. And what we found was that from 1900 to the year 2000, the number of fatalities, with the exception of a number of multi-fatality incidents, has generally decreased over time. From 1900 to 1920, there were 412 fatalities. The following 20-year period had 247. The 20-year period after that had 158, then 182, then 104. And finally, 47 fatalities occurred between the year 2000 and 2019. So this number of 47 fatalities is lower than the number of fatalities for any previous period. I, as well as many others, believe that this reduction was brought about by the change in legislation. Now, all of this has a really important ramification. We shouldn't just throw out all the progress that's been made since 2000. This legislation has brought significant gains and we need to keep them. But while this legislation has made significant progress in reducing the number of fatalities, it has been insufficient to reduce them to zero in the long term. Now, I want to go to another one of the industry people we spoke to here. This is Bobby Foote. She's the head of Health, Safety and Environment at BHB Mitsubishi Alliance. I think everybody in the industry recognises that even one fatality is one too many and the recent performance is simply not good enough. Bobby is very forward-thinking when it comes to safety. And when I spoke to her, she provided some really great perspective on the industry. We have to learn and we have to change so that we can prevent these kind of tragedies recurring in the future. So Bobby mentioned the recent performance. What is the recent performance? Well, when we look at fatalities over the past 20 years, there are periods of time when a significant number of fatalities occur over a short time period. And then there are periods of time where few to no fatalities occur. But if we look at a longer time frame, we see that over any given five years, there are approximately 12 fatalities. This means that while the new legislation has brought significant gains, we are still left with 12 fatalities every five years. Now, the question for you is this. Do you believe that if the mining industry continues to approach safety in the same manner as it has over the past 20 years, that this rate of fatalities will change? I think it won't. Which brings us to why now 
is the time for change. The industry has now had 20 years' experience with the new legislation. And over that 20 years, the industry has demonstrated that on average, 12 people are killed every five-year period. We have 20 years of data that shows this is the best that the legislation can achieve. And if we don't change, and if this is the best the legislation can achieve, do you think the next 20 years will look any different? I believe they won't, which means we're likely to follow the same path to further fatalities. We'll have more stories like the story of the father and son that Peter Newman spoke about earlier. That's why now is the time for change. The Queensland mining industry needs to rethink safety. In our next episode, we'll examine what are the causes of these fatalities. Are they freak accidents? Are they caused by human error? And how do we stop them from happening? In the meantime, let's go back to Bobby Foote for the final word. As I look around the industry and talk to different people, I can see that change is already occurring. So people have already responded quite a lot at the start in terms of kind of a reset and an intervention, but it has to go beyond an intervention and a discussion into what are you actually changing at your site? How are you enabling your people to tell you what's really happening? How much, you know, looking at those key themes out of the report, like have we got the right controls in place? Are we verifying that they're actually working? And are there better controls that we can be using to prevent these kind of incidents? You've been listening to Rethinking Safety, a show where the Queensland mining industry charts out the journey to a safer future. Our objective for this podcast is to reinvigorate the conversation about safety in mining. This podcast was written and produced by Brady Hayward in partnership with Waveland Creative. Archival audio provided by the Australian Broadcasting Corporation Library Sales and additional audio by Colin Tyrus. I'm Sean Brady and I'll speak to you in our next episode. <laughs>